Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. It's been a really good series about spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is one of those things that um, I'm, I'm amazed at how even myself, you know, I, I look at people, but I look at myself and I will forget that we're in a war. Like when things are going well, that's when the enemy's off somewhere planning attacks. So we forget because, you know, all hell is not breaking loose and we're just like glad for a reprieve. But it's like, man, we should always be on alert. You know, scripture says, be sober, be vigilant, be alert, because while, while there may not seem anything on the surface, the enemy is walking about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. John 10, 10, we know it says that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so we're going to j- uh, jump over a little bit in the message at Joshua chapter 7. It's going to be a bit before we get there. And um, uh, so just go ahead and turn in Joshua chapter 7. And we'll get there in a few minutes, all right? So what I want to share with you today, this is the takeaway for the message today. And it's this common sense in the the church world. Satan is trying to destroy our church, our homes, and our lives. And he'll use us to do it. Satan is trying to destroy our church. I chose those words very carefully. I didn't say he's trying to destroy the church because he can't destroy the church and he knows he can't, but he can destroy our church. Come on, pay attention to me. Satan can't destroy the church. He knows the scripture better than you and I. He knows that Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, on your faith, I will build my church, capital C, the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. But I can't tell you how many churches I've seen closed down. Where's God at? Well, the local church is an expression of the capital C church. But local bodies, I'm telling you, I've seen them shut down. I've seen them shut down from sin. I've seen the pastor sin and it shut down. I've seen it shut down because the people don't give. I've seen it shut down because the people are fighting like cats and dogs. I've seen it shut down for pride and arrogance. You know, I've seen it shut down for so many different reasons. So Satan is trying to destroy our church. He knows he can't destroy the church. But he is on the war path. And I think sometimes that like when things happen within a church, the reaction of people can show you whether they are in tune with the supernatural or not. (gasps) I can't believe that happened. Well, you can't because Satan is mean and he does not play fair. And he does not care who he uses. Just as God is no respecter of persons, Satan is no respecter of persons. He'll use a kid. He'll use a teenager. He'll use the preacher. He'll use the person playing the keys. He'll use whatever. 
He'll use whatever means and he'll use whomever. But he is trying to destroy the local church. He's trying to destroy homes. Man, if you can't see that the enemy is trying to destroy homes, just go do a little digging. I mean, come on, man. I shouldn't even have to bring uh, statistics to you to know that the homes in the United States, but globally, but in the United States are broken. We have more single-parent homes than any other time in history. Abortions are at a higher rate than any other time in history. Unwed mothers are at a highest point at any other time in history. I'm not judging. I'm pointing out the facts that the enemy is at his all-time... Why? Because he knows that his time is short. And so, dude, he is out there wreaking havoc in the families. He is tearing down masculinity. We hear a lot about toxic, toxic masculinity. And we hear a lot about, you know what? I don't need a husband. Yes, every woman needs somebody to help them raise children. I get it. There are single moms in the room. There might, I, we actually have some single dads that come to church and bring their children to church. This is not to point you out and say, you know, that you're doing anything wrong. But we're saying that it, you really need to. And nobody else, some of you single parents, could come up here and you could preach this better than I could. That how it's like there's a piece missing and it's so much more on that single parent to have to pull the weight of the other parent that is not there but we're in toxic masculinity man the enemy is attacking the church through this whole gender thing and you know we don't even know what sex we are and follow the science while you know we're they're talking about covid but now you know no science goes out the window when it talk you know, like literally they can dig up bones from you know 8000 or however many years ago and they can tell what sex it was Based upon their bone structure. There's two. But their confusion. There's a spirit of confusion upon our families today. Because it's trying to break that structure down. Hey church. It does not take a, a, a brain a, a surgeon or a scientist to know that when we break down that. We are looking at. Listen. We are looking at the destruction of humanity. It takes sperm and an egg to create life. It takes a man and a woman, not a woman and a woman, not a man and a man. It's a breakdown and it's an attack on the family. All of these things are attacks upon the family. All right? And then he's trying to destroy lives. You ever heard the term? I know you have. Self-destruct. Like, he'll use you to sabotage you. He'll use you to destroy your own life. The enemy will use you and me to destroy the church. He will use you and me to destroy our families. It's happening all the time. This is very important for us to understand. Because it's so strategic. The enemy is not dumb. He's one of the smartest beings on the, uh, uh, you know, that, that's ever been created. He is very strategic in his strategy. And this is what his strategy is. His strategy is through division. Satan's strategy to destroy is through division. He'll use a lot of weapons, but this is the strategy. He uses all of those weapons to divide. 
if he can use you, like it's harder to come against a big group, but if he could start individually with you, and, and the breakdown begins in you, and then it begins and it spreads to your family, and then it spreads to the church or your whatever group. It could be any group that, that you have. It's very incremental in how his strategy begins to work. And Jesus knew this. Jesus called this out because he said in uh, Matthew chapter 12, verse 25, he's, he knew what the Pharisees were thinking when they were trying to trip him up and always try, trying to get him caught so that they could bring charges against him. And so he said to them, every kingdom that fights against itself will be destroyed. And every city or family that is divided against itself will not survive. What he was talking about, if you'll remember, I, I spoke to you out of Matthew chapter 12 where Jesus, he cast the demons out. And then he used the metaphor of the demon. When a demon goes out of a person, he goes out in arid, dry places. And he comes back when he finds it clean and empty and set in order. He goes and gets seven more spirits. All of this was last week. He goes and gets seven more spirits more powerful than that spirit. And then they come and they take up residence again. And the scripture says, and greater is the destruction of that person, the condition of that person then, than it was uh, earlier when he only had that one demonic uh, spirit to have to wrestle with. And so the Pharisees said, well, you're ca you cast the devil out of that guy by the devil. And this is where Jesus is, he's perceiving their thoughts and he's like, this is ridiculous. Beelzebub doesn't cast out you know, Beelzebub, like, no, he's trying to gain ground. He's not trying to cast himself out. He's trying to get a stronghold. And so Jesus is saying, common sense, if we're divided, we are not going to be strong. That song that we sang this morning, build my life. I will build my life on a firm foundation. I will build my life on Christ. Listen, Shay and I, we, I'm so thankful for my wife. I'm telling you, I've never had to beg her to go to church. Uh, I'm called to ministry. She's not called to ministry. There's a calling on her life. But Holy Spirit did not call her into a life of clerical ministry. That happened to me. All right? And she's been so supportive of me in ministry throughout the years. And we've just celebrated 36 years of, of ministry. And we have literally been in ministry our whole life. Not just that, it's probably longer than that because we were in ministry as teenagers uh, going around doing our little gospel singing circuit, you know. And, uh, but I don't know, two or three, four years uh, uh, before we got married. So we are united, we're not divided. I'm so glad that in my life that I'm, I, I got a wife that I don't have to fight to come to church. But I'm telling you this. If it's me and Jesus, I will leave her tail at home. Or if it's uh, her or Jesus or not Jesus. And for me, I'm not doing it. I pray she leaves me at home. Because Jesus is first and foremost in any relationship, and it's built on that relationship. I'm so thankful that we're not divided in our home and that there are things that, you know, we do have to work through stuff. But when it comes to us being on the same page, listen, 
If we were divided in the major things, we wouldn't be able to be together. We wouldn't be strong. We wouldn't have a witness. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like it's so important that we are together and we're not divided. There are seven spirits that are trying to destroy us. And remember, when I talk about us, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about our family, and I'm talking about our church. So anytime I'm talking about us in this message, I'm talking about those three things. I'm talking about Brandon. I'm talking about Brandon, Maxie, Bailey, Zion, and Seth. I'm talking about your family, and then I'm talking about you as part of this family. And so there are seven spirits. Now, listen, this is not, uh, there's going to be a lot of information on the screen, so it's going to go pretty fast. If you want a picture of it, you better get it. All right, and this is what I'm going to say. This is not a, a, an exhaustive teaching on demonic spirits. There's way more uh, weapons that the enemy has, but these are seven that I want to point out to you. All right, the num- number one is there's a spirit of Python. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 16, which I read to you, I think uh, a few Sundays ago. Where Paul and, uh, who was it, Paul and Silas in jail, they were thrown in jail. And the reason they were thrown in jail is because there was a demonic spirit of, um, oh, what's the word? Uh, uh, It's lost me real quick. Divination. Thank you. She had a spirit of divination. The Greek word for divination is python, which is where we get our word for that snake that you know squeezes you so she had a python divination spirit and she was walking about saying you know after these guys she had seen their miracles her her owners she was a slave her owners were using her because when she would say things and she would follow them they would take her and then set up shop for her to be a psychic and for her to channel this spirit that would quote tell people's fortunes hello we got sister marie down at gulf shores and you know people go get their palms read in different places i've been over to uh uh New Orleans, and you can walk through that voodoo place, and you can see them on the side of the road, tarot cards and all kind of voodoo mess. This is the spirit of Python, and what happened is they cast that spirit out, and she was actually, you know, saying uh, really good spiritual things. These men, you know, they are so worthy. They are mighty men of God, and, you know, they are doing great works for the Lord. It's like, Wow, there's nothing wrong with that. And oh, Paul, man, he turns around and he says, shut your devil mouth. And he cast the devil out out of her. And that's why they locked them up and put them in jail because it took away the livelihood of those owners of that slave girl. She could no longer... Uh, tell, uh, you know, her psychic stuff, and I don't have time to go in that. She was not telling the future. The enemy cannot foretell the future. I don't have time to go into that, all right? But took away that spirit, and now she's just normal. She can't do anything. Took away the people's livelihood. Acts chapter 16, verse 16, is where you can find that. The spirit of divination is a spirit of religion. Be careful that everything that looks spiritual is not of God. Everything that looks spiritual. 
Like that young lady following them, she had that python spirit. So it was actually a religious spirit. And man, she was, she was glorifying God through what they were doing, but it was not of God. It was not of God. We have to be careful because a python spirit is really a spirit of religion. And a spirit of religion uh, is a spirit of legalism. The Israelites were eat up with the spirit of religion, keeping everything to the letter of the law. And if you missed one thing, man, they're ready to stone you. This python spirit is made to squeeze the life out of us. In other words, it will bring complacency and lethargy. It'll discourage you. It'll leave you tired. It'll leave you lifeless. That's, you know, uh, just like a snake will squeeze you. That python snake will, you know, squeeze the life out of you. That's what that spirit does. It will come and it will squeeze the life out of a church. It'll squeeze the life out of you. Many people who serve in the church they will get under a python spirit and what will happen is they'll serve in the church and that's basically what they're doing they're serving they're doing it out of some ritualistic or some need to perform uh they're as a matter of fact one of the last things on there is this is a spirit that will cause pressure squeeze you make you feel pressure to perform i felt that in my own life i have felt that in my own life i have felt people uh, they'll come and they'll, uh, it's not the people, it's the spirit behind it. And they will come and, and I will, I've, I've had people to come to our church and they're like, they're telling me the church that they just left and they're coming to this church and they're telling us why, they, why we should be, they're telling me why we should be the, like that church. And I'm like, well, if, why did you leave that church? It's because they cast you out, devil. They cast you out. You, you, they would not give you a place of authority there. And so now you're bringing that crap here and you're going to try to set that up here. I'm telling you, you got another thing coming. You got another thing coming. And they will put, I have felt people to put a pressure to perform on me. Uh, like, well, I don't do this enough or I don't do that enough. And so when I stand in the pulpit, there's this pressure. That's a python spirit. That's a python spirit. And it's like, uh, there's a pressure to perform. There's a pressure. I've got to do it like this minister. I've got to do it like this minister. I've got to do it like this minister. Man, can I just tell you, I have to do it like the God uh, of, of heaven tells me to do it. And that's all I got to do. I only have to be faithful to what the Lord has spoken for me, all right? And so this spirit, what it will do is this spirit, uh, it, will, it will squeeze the life out of a church. It will squeeze the life out of you. That python spirit, it will squeeze the joy of serving. Listen, if you are serving somewhere, and, and, and you are not enjoying it, you need to ask yourself why. Because serving the Lord should be enjoyable. I'm telling you, there have been times where I'm like, I don't even want to go to church today, and I'm the preacher. Like, I don't want to preach today, and I got to preach. I don't have anybody. I didn't have people at times to preach. But that is a spirit that is working against me or the church or different people. And we've got to be careful. And what will happen is there will be spiritual leeches. Oh, come on now. There will be spiritual leeches that will attach themselves to you. And they are draining the life out of you. Listen to me. 
We live in a day and a culture, and I'm telling you, I experience this all the time. You should pray for your pastor. I'm I'm not being funny. You should pray for your pastor, leaders, because we are under constant spiritual warfare. I said this to a person one time, and they came to me, and they don't come to church here anymore, and I'm I'm just going to be honest with you, and I'm glad. Because it's like every time I would speak from the pulpit, there's something wrong. There's something they don't agree with. There's something that I didn't do right or whatever. And I, and I said something to the effect of, um, you know, that, you know, just like what I just said, pray for me because the devils that I fight are, are different devils than you fight. And I had them to come up to me after church and they're like, Pastor, Pastor, I need to correct you on something. And dude, I, if anybody in this church really knows me, you know that I am not above being corrected. I actually ask for correction on a regular basis from people because we need to always not think we're above being corrected and, 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 and shaped. Iron sharpens iron. But, you know, so, Pastor, I, I have to correct you on something. Like, you're, you, you know, you, I felt diminished when you said that your devils are bigger than my devils. And I'm like, dude, get out of here. Like, we, we live in such a culture of big old babies. And I'm like, I'm just here to tell you, ma'am, that the devils that I fight are bigger than your devils. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. It doesn't mean your devil isn't real, and it doesn't mean that your devil don't seem big to you. But I'm like, you're not in charge of a region. Come on now. You don't have an apostolic call on your life. You're, you're not a pastor in a region. You are not called by God to serve over a body of people. That it's a different place than right here than it is where you sit. It's, that's not arrogant to say. It's actually biblical. And so that's, that, that thing, it will get to you and it's, you know, put restrictions on you and it's squeeze you down. And every time that person would come to me, it would be that what, what they're trying to do is squeeze you down, squeeze you down, squeeze you down. To my goodness, what can I say? What can I say? I can't talk on abortion because there's people in the room today that have had abortion and I might hurt your feelings. I can't talk about, uh, you know, the sanctity uh, and holiness of matrimony because there are people in the room that have been divorced. I come from a family that my mom and dad weren't divorced. From, from my parents weren't, but they had marriages before. I get that. I can't talk on, you know, homosexuality because somebody has a brother that's a homosexual. And I can't talk about, and it's like, bro, I'm just telling you. We do not dumb the word of God down to fit our life. Like, the, the word is just this. And we preach it in love and we don't preach it with malice. We just preach the word and we just preach it from there. I can't tell you, I've recently had people in the church uh, uh, say to me, now, did, did anybody today, that people in this house that you worship here regularly, anybody in this house, uh, did, did I worship, and I, y'all know I'm on this team for a reason. You know, we, we, I'm leading at times because I need to be on the worship team. I've, in 
the 16 years of our church, I haven't had a prominent role uh, in, in the worship. But did, did I lead today any different than I normally lead? All right. Uh, did I coerce, manipulate, or force you to worship like I worship? I've had people that have said, you're manipulative in, your worship, uh, in how you lead us in worship. You are trying to force us to worship like you. No, my God. Just go look at ways in the Bible to, to worship. Study this and pick different ways that God loves to be worshipped. Because it's not about us, it's about him. How he wants to be worshipped. But do you know what that is? That's a spirit of python that comes and it's like it wants to squeeze, squeeze, and squeeze, squeeze, and then it's lifeless. It's lifeless. See, the enemy does not care if we come in here and we sing, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And I love that song. But man, if we're going to sing it, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. I'm an heir of salvation. I'm a purchase. You see what I'm saying? Like, like, like they don't, they don't care. The enemy does not care if we come in here and we just go through some religious motions. As long as there's no zoe in it. There's no life in it. So, spirit of python. Spirit of python. I cannot tell you, I used to be a part of a church and uh, this man's gone and he's with the Lord, I hope. And, uh, but I'm telling you, man, he's like, I don't like that praise and worship. It's just not my thing. I don't like it. I don't like it. I come for the word. I come from the word. Well, that's nothing wrong with that. But worship is a part of the community of faith. It is part of what we come to do. And here's that spirit trying to squeeze it down, squeeze it down. Listen. I ain't even got enough time. The word, like... Is great to be preached, but it's not. What happens here today is not for you. It's not for me. Yes, there's a portion that we walk away and we glean, but the purpose of this gathering is to worship the almighty God of creation. And dude, I'm telling you what, if we come in this place and we do not give him the glory, if we do not let him be the center of our focus, dude, the word is lifeless. The word is lifeless. What we're doing when we're worshiping, we're breathing, we're breathing over the atmosphere, we're breathing over the, the uh, environment to man just make our hearts receptive. So the second thing is this, man, I gotta get on with it because there's seven of these jokers. Spirit of Leviathan. So Spirit of Leviathan, there's two uh, places in Scripture. In Isaiah and Job, they both reference Leviathan. And man, people will debate and argue over Scripture all kinds of, uh, uh, all over the place and for years. And I don't know if anybody will ever fully agree with it. But they'll say that, well, Leviathan was just a metaphorical, mythical creature. But then 
there are those that believe that a Leviathan truly was a, a creature in the sea. Like, for instance, things have gone extinct, right? Like, there, there are things on earth or that used to be on earth that are not here anymore. And so I'm of the party that believes that Leviathan is uh, one of those creatures that existed during their time but does not exist now. And so it's just extinct. But in both of these places, in Isaiah and Job, they both refer to Leviathan. They refer to it as a spirit. They refer to it also as a literal thing. And in in this, it's it's this dragon-like sea creature. And it talks about the scales of the Leviathan. It talks about its enormous size. And what this is in the demonic, in the spiritual realm, it's enormous size. In other words, the people who are under the influence of this, whether it's you, me, or others. And I should have started this by saying, please don't do this as we go through these. Go, I know who he's talking about. Lord, Mabel, she's got a spirit of Leviathan if I ever saw one. You know, don't be doing that. Psalm 139 yourself. Oh, Lord, if there's anything in me, God, could it be me? Am I the one? Could could I be under? Like, don't be looking at the other person going, oh, I hope she gets this because she needs it. You know, man, maybe you need it or maybe I need it. Because I'm telling you, as I go through these things, I realize that there are some of these that are assigned to me. And I war with them on a regular basis. Spirit of Leviathan, this spirit has an undeniable presence. These are those people when they walk into a room... I'm not talking about they walk into a room and it's like, man, there's just humility and there's like, you know, that breath of fresh air. I'm talking about these people, they walk into the room and they're large and in charge and they want everybody to know it. They ha- this spirit has relentless determination. It's extremely smart. As a matter of fact, they know more than you and uh, you can't tell them anything and they have an answer for everything And it walks in pride, and pride always leads to rebellion. Pride also goes before destruction. Again, this is one of the enemy's tactics that he uses in his strategy to to divide. It asserts a false authority. Have you ever seen those people uh, that that they walk in and they're like, you know, they're just an authority on this place. And it might be, you know, somebody in your family. Might be you. It might be somebody in the church. It might be somebody at the business that you work at. And it's like, who are you again? <laughs> like, hey, it's not your place. Like, we, we have a thing around here where we will say often, like, hey, stay in your lane. Like, well, I, I, I saw it and I thought it needed to be done. It's not your place to do it. Like, bring it to our attention, and we'll bring that to the attention of the person in charge. Because if we always are taking up the slack, the person doesn't learn anything. And we're a training center, and we're about teaching them, like, hey, you missed this, and we can't do our part until you do your part. So, you know, so it's this thing. But they walk about with this false, with this false sense of authority. Like, you know, I'm an authority around here, and, um, and you know, and it's like they're not. And what happens is this is a controlling spirit. It's a very manipulative spirit. 
and it intimidates through fear. And it'll say things, well, there's a lot of people. Who are they? I'm telling you, man, I'll bust, I will bust this devil right in the face. I've had people to come to me and, well, there, there's people. Who are they? Who are they? Well, I can't say their name. Then you need to be quiet. Because you know what you just did to me? What you did is you just like, hey, pastor, here's this 500-pound weight. Hang on. I'm fixing to put it on your back. Ugh. And now I'm like this. Now, now I'm walking around with this weight, and I'm going, I, I don't know. I don't know who... Is it you? Is it, is it you, Valerie? Is it you, Shay? Who is it? Who is it? So now I've got fear, all right? Now I'm intimidated. Now I've got all this. It's manipulative. And this is what I do. If that spirit comes to me, like I tell people, and if you've been around here for any length of time, if you're going to come talk to me, you better not come talk to me. And this is how you should be. You better not come talk to me and say, well, I've heard. Who did you hear from? Because I can't fix it if I don't know where to go. And it is biblical. Why, why am I saying that? It is biblical. Matthew gives us two ways to go fix things. And it's one is going to the person. And so this Leviathan spirit, this is a controlling spirit. And it causes chaos. And these people who are operating under this spirit, they love to be in the middle of drama. I'm just telling you, if you are ever with people who like, Pastor, or, or you know, Brandon, or, you know, can I, can I get a, you know, a bell? Can I get a meeting with you? Brian, can I get a meeting with you? Yeah? What's it about? Well, I just need to talk some things over with you, brother. I just got, I'm offended, or I'm hurt, or blah, blah, blah. blah. You know, all right, and then... We're right there a few weeks later, and we're right there a month later, and we're right there. And I said to this one guy, I said, I meet with you more than any person I've ever met with in my lifetime. I said, what is your problem? Like, there's, and, I, I, and I'm saying that, like, what is the problem? Like, there's, it's not what you're coming to me with. There's this bigger problem, yeah. Leviathan spirit. And you, you, can't, you can't live without drama. And it's like, if you find yourself having to meet to resolve issues over and over and over and over, you might be under the influence of a Leviathan spirit. Pastor, can we meet? We can, but do we have to? Like, do we have to? Because maybe it's something that you can just fix by going to God in prayer. And it's not that big of a deal. But do you understand, the enemy loves meetings. He loves meetings. He loves it. Because when you're meeting... When you're meeting, you ain't doing nothing else except meeting. And it's taking valuable time away from the mission. Look at this, number three. There's a spirit of Jezebel. This is a fighting spirit. This is not, uh, you know, because it's named after two places in Scripture. First Kings chapter 19 where, you know, uh, Ahab and Queen uh, Jezebel, they are fighting the prophet of God, Elijah. And then in Revelation... It brings up Jezebel again. And so it's named Spirit of Jezebel for, for that particular person. And it deals with pride. This is an unrepentant, an unforgiving spirit. It loves leadership positions. Jezebels always want positions of leadership in the church. 
And now these spirits, familiar spirits, these spirits partner with one another. They love to tag up and team with one another. So this Jezebel spirit that loves leadership position. And listen, if you like to lead, that doesn't mean you're under a Jezebel spirit. Like we need people who want to lead. But why are you wanting to lead? If you need a title, I've had, man, I know you Find it might, might be finding it hard to believe. But I have found people that have said, if I don't have a leadership position, I can't be at this church. I will walk you to the front door and I'll point you in the direction of another church. But like, man, we, we have leadership positions because we love to serve. And we love to serve the mission and vision of this house, not whatever your agenda is. Uh, this, this spirit rebels against authority. Now, hear me. You have to understand, you don't have to have all of those conditions operating in your life to be under a Jezebel spirit. You could have one or two of those that this, that's this spirit is, is trying to manipulate and divide through you or through me. And it loves to rebel against authority or leadership. And it can be super subtle. Like, hey, can I use the worship team? Because this is a team I lead. All right. Hey, we start sound check and run through at 8 o'clock. Well, I'm going to get there at 8.05. I'm sorry. Did I stutter? We start at 8 o'clock. Like, if you want to be a part of this team, we're going to start. All right. These are the songs we're going to do. Well, I just don't like that one song. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's some that I don't necessarily like, you know, but I do them any, it's not, it's, it, well, uh, we're going to, I don't know, just whatever, um, challenging authority in little subtle ways, subtle ways, subtle ways. We're going to do this, or this is a requirement, or this is whatever. I'm just, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Um, Constantly challenges rules and policy. It's controlling. It's manipulative. Um, it intimidates through fear. Oh, come on now. Come on now. Come on now. I better get off the worship team. Let me go to a different team. Uh, let, me, let me go to uh, first impressions. Well, uh, I'm just not going to be able to serve if I... Hey, if you can't serve, you can't serve. I'm just not going to be able to serve if we're going to continue to, uh, you know, Make us wear these green public shirts, you know. I just, yeah. Hey, at some point we'll we'll change that color, but we spent a lot of money on those before we realized that. Yep, it's the public screen, all right. But we're we're good stewards of this house, and we're gonna wear them out before we change the color. And if you don't want to wear that shirt, uh, if you ser- like everybody doesn't have to wear that shirt, but if you work- serve in a s- certain ministry, like if you're an upfront person, why do we make you wear the shirt? Why do we ask you to wear the shirt? It's because if I say, you see the lady over there and I'm pointing her out and I'm pointing her out to a new person and she's like, the one with glasses? No, not that one. The one with the flowers on her shirt? Oh, that one? No, not that one. The other flowers on her shirt. But if we just say the lady in the green shirt, you see, it's, there's reasons behind it. So this spirit is constantly just, you know, nitpicking and tearing apart and challenging instead of going, you're my leader, tell me what to do. 
tell me how I can carry out the vision that God's given us for whatever. Uh, this spirit cries victim all the time. This, this uh, spirit um, is a false teacher. You got to be careful. Like, I've seen these in our church. I've seen where they've taught grace and they've taken it over here to where you can live however you want to live. Because Jesus loves us and he saves us. And we can't require anything because we can't win God's love through our works. No, we can't. But we are to be holy as he is holy. And yes, there are some requirements of the people of God. You know, there are. And if you believe that there aren't, that is over here in this cheap, uh, hyper grace world. And that's, I've had to part ways with leaders over that kind of stuff. Um. There's also a, a, a component of lust and seduction that, that goes with that. Uh, don't really have time to get into that. Uh, I'll touch on it in the seventh spirit that I talk about. Then there's the spirit of offense. It's probably the greatest weapon. I probably should have started with this one. Spirit of offense. I'm telling you what, I've seen so many articles lately about people hurt, church hurt. And I, I posted something on uh, uh, Facebook, uh, and I think I even said it on somebody else's. Maybe it was my post, but I said, have you noticed we never say school hurt or church or, or work hurt or I'm family hurt? You know, I'm family hurt. I have members of my own family that hurt me, you know. We never, we never say that, but oh, when it comes to church hurt, oh, ch- I'm so church hurt. Oh, I can't go to church anymore. We, we had a guy working on our uh, air conditioning uh, or uh, with the refrigerator just the other day, and because he was hurt in church, he no longer attends church, and he was telling us about it. The spirit of offense is so powerful and it's so strong. And this is what the Lord tells us. He says in Luke chapter 17 verse 1, offenses, that Greek word right there is scandalon. It also can mean temptation because when you're offended, you're tempted to sin. Um, Offenses will come, but woe to the one who causes the offense. Like offenses are going to come. Make sure you're on the receiving end. Don't be out there causing offense. When offenses come, Matthew tells us how we're supposed to handle offense and how we're supposed to go to our brother and how we're supposed to work it out. That word scandalon actually is a Greek word that means trap. And that's what it is. Offense is a trap that when you step in that thing, it's like, you know, the, the idea is like a bear trap. And it closes on you and it causes you not to be able to walk forward. Like, dude, we're all going to be offended. The thing is not how we, like, if we're offended, it's what we do with that offense. Do we continue to walk in offense? Do we continue to walk with that trap, you know? Dude, I'm telling you, that's not going to be an easy journey. You need to step out of that trap, get that off, get that thing healed up so that you can be free to do what God is calling you to do. This uh, uh, is the number one source of church hurt. 
is offenses. People who operate in a spirit of offense, they'll be negative. They'll always be looking for problems. Uh, they're always at the center of chaos. They're always confu- uh, causing confusion and drama. And it's uh, gossip and lying and exaggeration and slander. Have you ever found yourself doing this? Or have you ever found people, people doing this to you? Have you ever witnessed it in the church? Like I will have people that will come. I, I recently had someone that, that came from another church. And they began to tell me about their stuff. And I said, you need to understand that I and that, per, that pastor are close friends. And I, I won't be a part of anything that you're saying because I'm not a part of it. It's none of my business what happened to you there. So you either need to go to him and y'all need to work that out. And if you come here, you need to understand I'm calling him to see if you've worked that out because you're not going to bring that here. I never saw them. They may come back, but this has been within the last month. I haven't seen them back. Pastor, you're just heartless. No, I am protecting this house. I'm protecting our house. And I'm trying to also speak the truth in love to them to help them grow up. And this is what I told them. This is what I told them. I said, listen to me. He's your pastor. I'm not your pastor. I sense in my spirit that that is the one you're supposed to be with. I'm not the one. I'm not the one. I'm not your Jesus. I'm not your John. You need to go back over here to him. You need to work that out. And you need to get back under the covering of that ministry and serve. Serve. Do you also know what this person told me, this couple told me in that uh, brief conversation? They said, it's really hard when you have a call on your life. And you just have to sit. We're ready to serve. And I'm like, "You, you won't be able to serve here. I'm serious. Like, that is hard to say to people. But I'm like, you can't serve here. Like, man, you just have been here two weeks. And do you not think that I would love to not, you know, I mean, I I love worshiping, but I'd love to worship there more than up here. I'm not going to go, oh, God, thank the Lord he sent somebody. No, I don't want just anybody. I don't want just somebody. I want the right person that can come and help us, you know. But I'm like, you need to go back. You need to settle that offense that you have. You need to get under his covering because that's where you're going to flourish. And if you do not get that handled, you are not going to flourish. All right, man, running out of time. Here we go. Um, Unforgiving, bitter, and holds grudges. Doesn't matter how many times you apologize, uh, they're not hearing it. I mean, you could say it standing on your head. You could say it with a muffin. You could say it with a card. You could say it with lunch, dinner. You could say it in a three-piece suit. You could say it in a yellow polka dot bikini. It does not matter because they are not going to receive it because that Jezebel spirit, uh, or sorry, that spirit of offense has them wrapped up. Number five, spirit of mammon. Spirit of mammon. This mammon is the word for money. And in Matthew chapter 6, 24, Jesus says this. He says, you can't serve two masters at the same time. And you know it goes on to say, you're going to hate one of those and love the other or vice versa. He's like, you cannot serve money and God. And so the spirit of mammon is this spirit that is rife 
not my name, rife, rampant, plentiful, abundant in the church world today. Like, you know, people love money so much, and it's like they got to get their you know, big TV or jet ski or this or that and the other, and they'll go get all of their stuff but before they bring it to the house of God. That is not a biblically mature uh, idea of giving. Like, man, you give to God first. Seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. Righteousness means the right way to live in all aspects. Seek that first. Seek him first. Put him first. And all these things, the jet ski, the house, the beautiful wife, all these other things, they will be added to you. This is a lust for money. This is a, this is a, a lust for wealth. It's a, it's a covetous spirit. There's a young man that used to come to our church years ago. I love this guy. I'm still in community. Uh, well, not close community. I'm still in relationship with him. And uh, he was telling me one day, he's like, you know, uh, guess how much these jeans cost? If any man asks you, there's a problem right there with the question. Like none of us, like I don't, I don't go around going, oh, look at this watch. You know, guess how much I paid for this? Like we don't do that. I mean, if we're doing it, we're doing it like, dude, guess how much I got this for? Guess. It's because of a deal we got. And it's like, you ain't ever going to believe, I don't know, 15 bucks. No, lower, you know, guess again, you know. But he's like, how much his jeans cost? And I'm like, I don't know, 80 bucks. He's like, no. And I'm like, 100 bucks. I don't know, man. $300. $300 for a pair of jeans. But he didn't tithe or give offering to the church. He didn't tithe or give offering to the church. And he spent $300 on a pair of jeans. Now, from the outward look, dude, this guy is banking it. His business is booming. He's got umpteen gazillion uh, toys. He's just built a massive new shop. Like, I mean, it's booming. And as far as I know, his family's not involved anywhere in ministry. He's probably not giving any, you know, and being faithful there. So... Hey, it rains on the just and the unjust. God, you know, he, he, you know, they're just principles of business. You work hard, you're going to prosper. You have a good product, it's going to sell. Whether you're evil or good, and I'm not saying that he's evil. I'm just saying, you know, this is how that works. But what happens is that spirit of mammon gets a, a hold of you, and it's like you want to use that for you and material wealth, and you put God way over here. And how, pastor, does that have anything to do with, like, how the enemy destroys the church? I'm telling you what. The little church that Shay and I grew up in, it dissolved. There's many, many reasons, and there's a lot of those demons that were attached to that little church. And this was one of them. You have, you know, you have five 80-year-old women I, I'm, I'm just hypothesizing. I don't know all their ages, but I know my mom was one. She was in her 80s. They're the ones paying the bills because nobody else would support it. And these ladies 
They've supported it their whole life, you know. They should be the ones that we're taking care of, but they're taking care of that. How does this operate? Well, the resources dried up. Malachi 3.10 says, bring all of your tithe into the storehouse so that there will be plenty to eat. That just means resources. There's lights that have to be paid. People don't understand this kind of stuff. They don't think about it. They come in and they don't think about like, you know, well, there's a $1,500 light bill, electric bill that has to be paid on a monthly basis. They don't think about that. There's a, I don't know, I may have the numbers wrong because I don't pay the bills, but I do know when they're high. You know, they, they don't think about, uh, a, a, uh, I don't know, our mortgage used to be $12,000 a month. What is it now? Seven. So we refinanced that and got our mortgage down to seven. But there's a $7,000 a month. Uh, they, don't, they don't think about these things. You know what I'm saying? And so there's so many resources. What, what, why do we bring our resources to the house of God? So that, I mean, I don't know about you, but I like air conditioning. Well, that air conditioning, you know, it, it, it costs, it costs. But there's, uh, I know Glenna likes it because she was whining earlier about uh, how hot it was <laughs> the other day. God got a hold and she fell under conviction. All right, come on, let me wrap this up. But a spirit of mammon, like, hey, man, ask yourself, man, am I, am I under a spirit of, of mammon like, uh, that's manipulating me? I've had people to say, I just can't do it, Pastor Rife. I cannot do it. We cannot tithe pastor right there's people in this room that i've talked more more than one person by the way that i've talked about like where you are in your giving and like you know hey if you're wanting to advance in the kingdom blah 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 but i had a, a couple and i used this as a testimony and they t- came to me and they said pastor right we just cannot tithe we just cannot give and i said well what are you giving now you know because i don't know everybody's giving but i know a lot i know leaders i know if you're a leader i'm checking to see where are you and I'm like, so what, what are you giving? Well, we're not giving anything. And I'm like, what can you give? I know you can give something. Like, st- start somewhere. Like, well, we don't have, I, they didn't say this, but if they said we don't have any left over, well, what can you cut out to bring God something? Like, just don't go to Starbucks. It might be a sacrifice to not go to Starbucks, but start somewhere for God's sake. And then, you know, this is what I said. What can you give? Instead of beating yourself up about what you can't give and what you can't do, just come with the best you can. And if it's $5 this week or $80 or what, whatever, just bring it to the Lord and just, man, celebrate God. I'm so glad. I cannot tell you the joy on their face when they're like, they finally, I don't know, came back to me at some point and they said, Pastor, you're not going to believe it. Like, finally, my husband got a, a, a great job and this and that, and we actually are at a place where we're tithing now. Like, we're doing a real 10% of our income. It was a great day for them because what they saw is they saw the word of God at work, and they came out of the bondage of that spirit of mammon. Number six, the spirit of poverty. Spirit of poverty doesn't necessarily have to do with money, but money Spirit of mammon and spirit of poverty, they do work together. These spirits, they work together. Spirit of poverty um, basically is this. In Philippians 4.19, it says, And our God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory and the grace in which he poured out on us through Christ Jesus. That's where you know we know that God is our provider. But a spirit of poverty, it attacks our feeling of self-worth. It attacks... Uh, 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 
our feeling of like feeling deserving. I'm telling you, I've struggled with this my whole life. This is a demon that I know that it has been assigned to me. And uh, why, why? Why? I'm just a regular guy. Well, not, not when I'm the pastor of a church. See, the enemy, like he, he assigns and he's strategic in this. Like, because there are times where it's like, hey, let's buy a van that costs $25,000. It's not going to benefit our church at all, but we're going to buy it for that church. Like I, Shay and I just went up to Tennessee where we bought that van, uh, that big old passenger uh, van for uh, Madison Street Worship. And we sewed that into them as a church family. We bought that $25,000 van for them. And, uh, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not bragging on myself, but I really am bragging on myself a little bit. I, I walked in, because this shows you how I want you to be. I walked in, and the pastor, he's coming, and he said, man, thank you so much. And I'm like, oh, that's nice. I don't even know what you're talking about, but did we do something? And I had forgotten, because it's been a while since that happened, several years and, uh, and he was talking about the van that we bought for them. And so they use that van to go around to these big conferences, their worship team, and they go off and they're, they're celebrating with tens of thousands of people at Church of God Winterfest and all of that. Well, guess what? Guess who's part of that reward? You guys are. That gave towards that. We are. I am. And, and so whenever he said that, I'm like, I had totally forgotten about that. I, it wasn't on my mind. I Literally, God is my witness. I didn't show up at that church going, come on, let's go see the van that we bought. You know, I'm ready to go see it. N- no. I'm like, I truly had not even thought about that. But it's because we don't operate under that spirit of poverty. But I'm telling you, the spirit of poverty still attacks. The spirit of poverty. I'm telling you right now, the spirit of poverty is attacking our church because it's summer. And there's things that I want to do. There's multiple things that I want to do that in the natural, we don't have the money to do it. And so spirit of poverty is like, yeah, you just need to not do those. those, Just forget about those. And we're just not going to be able to do those. Not going to be able to do it. You know, no. No. We are going to do it at some point. This mindset will make you feel like you're not enough. I'll never be good enough. I don't have enough. It's a scarcity mindset. And it's like, I've dealt with that my whole life. So what happens is when I feel like I'm not enough, now I get back over there in that performance. Remember the Leviathan and remember the Python spirit? So what will happen is because this spirit of poverty is making me not feel enough, that spirit will go, well, you need to work harder. And if you'll just work harder, then you'll be worth enough. And the people will appreciate you and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like, man, these spirits, these spirits are attacking to, to, to try to destroy you because you can only stand up under that For a certain amount of time, but by the grace of God being in his presence and letting him strengthen you because he is our firm foundation. Spirit of poverty will make you jealous and resentful uh, of others being blessed. And I'm telling you what, there have been times in my life as a pastor, these people over here at this other church, I mean, we were in that little funky building for 10 years instead of giving God glory for it. And thank you, Lord, for this building. I'd see so-and-so over here, they're building a new building and you know, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, well, I guess you love them more than you love us because, I mean, I've been at this for all these years and they started three years ago and they already have a building that they're, they're building. And look, they've got more people than we do. What am I? Am I, you know, chicken liver over here? And I'm 
like, you know, you, you get into that. And I mean, I'm not proud of that. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't make me a bad person. That is that spirit that is trying to manipulate me to make me jealous. And so I learned this lesson from an old man called Lloyd Holcomb in our church when Shay and I were growing up. And he was given a testimony, and it happened to be on giving and tithing. And that spirit of mammon came against Brother Lloyd, and it said, you know what? You can't afford to give 10% of your income. And he said, I told the devil, if you don't show up, shut up, I'm going to give 20% to God. And, I, I, and, and so I learned this lesson that what happens is when the enemy puts that against you and, and challenges you and tries to manipulate you, 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 you turn the fire up, okay? And it's like when the enemy says to you, when the enemy says to you, like, oh, well, look at them and look at that. And, well, look at them. They got a new car and you don't have a car. And I'm telling you, just bless them. God, thank you that you gave Stephanie a new car. Thank you that you gave Steve a new house. Thank you, God, that he got that promotion. I've been wanting myself. But, God, thank you for that. Bless them. When you begin to do that blessing, I'm telling you, it's like water on the devil's fire. Number seven. Number seven. A spirit of seduction. This is not necessarily sexual, okay? So a spirit of seduction. This is an alluring spirit. It, 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 it dangles a lure for you. So it, it's like it's attractive to you. It's uh, fascinated by different things. And listen, this is a religious, this partners with a religious spirit. All right? First Timothy uh, chapter 1 verse 4. Paul is telling Timothy, he's like, Timothy, be careful because in the last days, people will be searching for these things. They'll, they'll start actually uh, leaning into the teachings of doctrines of demon, which are really, it's heresy. It's not satanic teaching. It's really religious teachings that are off kilter somewhere. And, um, and so they're attracted, people under this are attracted by false prophets, they're attracted by signs and wonders. Listen, there's nothing wrong with signs and wonders. I've experienced them myself. I've seen them myself. But Jesus, what did he say to the, to the people who came and said, show us a sign? What did he say? He's, he's like, he called them a wicked and adulterous, perverse generation. He said, because you seek a sign pretty much more than you're seeking his presence. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with signs. And um, man, just give me a few more minutes because this is good stuff. This is good stuff. We hadn't even got to, uh, to, to uh, Joshua. And so Shay asked me before church, she's like, you going to preach all that this week? And I'm like, I think I can do it. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Now I think I can't. But. So this, this spirit, what happens is it looks religious. And listen, I'm just telling you, we got to be careful to not jump on every bandwagon that is out there. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just asking you to use some wisdom. And I'm fixing to say something, and, it, and it's going to uh, hit a few of you guys. I'm not saying this condescending. I'm not saying that, that if you saw this and you went to it or anything like that, that I hold it against you. But I'm going to say we have to be careful. We can't be lured into stuff that it's, it looks religious, but like what, where is, I had this girl, uh, oh, sorry, 
lady that Shay and I worked with, I call her girl because, you know, she was friend, is a friend of ours, but haven't seen her in many years. Oh, she would come in and she's like, oh, we had this revival last night and da 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 da. And she's like, oh, we, you know, there were jewels everywhere. Holy Spirit was dropping jewels in the sanctuary. Now, listen, I am Holy Ghost filled. I am signs and wonders all about. I am, you know, I am apostolic. I'm fivefold ministry. I'm Pentecostal tongue talking. I'm all those things. I'm all that stuff. But I'm also for wisdom, discernment, and rightly dividing the word. And so she comes in, and she's got these uh, these uh, little, uh, they're, they're, they're gems, but they're not real. And, I, dude, I, Shay's just like, oh, that's really cool. And, it's you know, she's being all nice. And I'm over here being, you know, uh, but for Jesus, you know. And I'm like... I don't understand. Like the creator of the universe, he's going to go through all the trouble of making gems fall in the sanctuary and he can't even do the real thing? Like why is it plastic? Like how come, how come it ain't like, I mean, one of them was this long. And I'm like, if this was real... Imagine how many people would be able to feed in Africa. If this was real, how many churches could we... And Shay's over there going... You know? And I'm just saying, I'm just being real, man. I'm just being real. A few years ago, uh, uh, they came through. And here's where I'm fixing to hit a few of you guys. Because there were people in our church that they wanted to go. They wanted me to go and blah, blah, blah. And I'm telling you, I almost gave in to this. Why? Spirit of Python. Why? Spirit of Leviathan. I almost gave in to this, but God made a way of escape for us, and he brought a storm into our area to where we could not go and take our worship team to this event. And what they were doing is they were taking us to the church that over in Mobile that had the container with the Bible in it that exuded oil constantly. And you, you, you know where I'm talking about? I'm not trying to condemn anybody that goes to that. This is a teachable moment for us. They came out after that, and it was fake. They admitted, you can go read it on the internet if you want to, they admitted it was fake. They admitted it, that it was fake. But it looks so real. And I'm telling you, big-time preachers, even in our area, had this on, had it on their, their programs and, and everything, but everything that looks spiritual and religious is not. And we have to be careful. Be careful. You know, when, when we begin to be sucked in and attracted to something. And, and let's ask ourselves, is it drawing me closer to God or to an idol? Is it drawing me closer to God's presence or to an inanimate object? You got to be careful with that stuff. In the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure. Hey, we see this all over the world. And uh, they will be uh, carnal and they will be lustful and they will have worldly views. Do we not see this in our church today? Do we not see that inside the church today? So the enemy, he's using all of these things. I'm going to stop here and, uh, because I don't want to rush through the last part of this message. Uh, well, I don't have time for it. The point is, I want to take my time and unpack that. I'm giving you 
this opportunity to go read uh, Joshua chapter 7. And it's where they've just conquered Jericho. They're about to go into the city of Ai and attack it. And read the sin of Achan and come back and next week we'll talk about this. And in the meantime, let's just think of these things. Can you put me on the application real quick? Um, So here's three things that I want you to walk out of here with. Number one, recognize these spirits in you and others. Like recognize these spirits like working against you and not always worrying about, because so many times we worry about sister so-and-so when it's like, dude, let God take care of that. Pray for her. Pray for revelation. But what about me, God? Am I operating in any of these? I'm telling you, I have operated in these things before. The enemy has manipulated me, and there are times where I still will fight these spirits. So recognize these spirits, how they affect you. Number two, take authority over these spirits. I've taught you how to cast them out. For those of you who are, who are new and you didn't hear that message, I'm not talking about, come out in the name of, I'm not talking about that even though I've seen that, done it, and believe in it. I'm talking about we should be regularly casting spirits that come against us out. Like, hey, you are not going to have that place in my house. You are not going to make me feel that. When the enemy was, uh, was, was working against Glenna and trying to make her feel a certain way, uh, and I think it was you. No, it was Amy, sorry. Amy, you told me that the enemy tried to steal your joy and you took authority over that and you said, you're not gonna steal my joy. God's got something better because that didn't work out. So you take authority over those things and you cast them out saying, you are not gonna overtake me here. You're not gonna set up a false mindset and you resist those. And then the last thing is this. Um, Take one practical step to fight against demonic assault against you, or maybe it's your family. And I put family in quotes because maybe it's this church. Maybe it's your work environment. That's your work family. Um, Take one practical step. It might be confronting somebody. It might be confronting somebody and saying, hey man, you can't talk like that around me anymore. It may be that you don't be negative to them. Like, I don't have to spell it out completely You figure out what is one thing that you can do. Listen, if you don't take this message today, this is not a threat. If you don't take this message today and put it into practice, the scripture tells us in the book of James, we'll be hearers of the word and not doers. And it's like you look at yourself in a mirror and man, you a ratty mess. And you walk away without changing anything. Change something in your life. Increase in Christ so that he can influence your, in, uh, increase your influence and give you a greater impact.